Oh, good morning. Karibu. Karibu. It means welcome in Swahili. I'm surprised you didn't all know that. Karibu. However you pronounce it. Am I pronouncing it halfway decent, Josephine? It's <laughs> Karibu. Is that right? Perfect. You're just saying that. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I picked up a few words in Swahili when I was over there in uh, Kenya this, uh, th- th- this past summer. That's the one I remember. Uh, well, <laughs> well, today we are wrapping up our series uh, that we've been talking about being selfless. Because more and more in our culture, um, we are becoming increasingly self-focused. Uh, more and more life is becoming, it's becoming more about me. It's what I want, what I think, what I feel, all about me. And I think that's honestly why uh, one of the reasons, I think that's one of the reasons that our culture no longer really believes in the fact that there is an absolute truth, right? I mean, oh yes, um, and what the absolute truth is right now is that if you're in junior and senior high, follow Jeff out there to the fireplace room for your class. I even had that written down here. Since it wasn't said yet, I even had it written down here. There, now I'll cross it out, so I've already said it. Um, More and more, the question is not what is truth. More and more, the question people ask now is, well, what's true for me? Because what's true for you might not be what's true for me, you know, and, and uh, uh, that's the thinking of our culture, and increasingly so, and you know, I've got my truth and you've got yours, and we've shifted from what's true to what's true for me, because the focus is more and more on ourself. It's a cultural shift that has really affected every area of our lives. And, you know, the first thing so many people ask these days is, well, what's in this for me? What am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? And it's really in, infiltrated even the church. Instead of, in, instead of you know, um, um, thinking about God first, we think about, well, what, what can God do for me? You know, if I give my life to Christ, what can he do for me? Which is plenty, more than, you know, we could talk about today, but that is the, the first thought is, what is he going to do for me? Or, or what, you know, it, what, what programs does this church or that church have for me? What programs do they have to serve me? Rather than how can I serve God? How can I serve the church? What can I contribute? What can I give? What do they have for me? And then we'll base where we're going to go based on that. Um, it's the influence of culture on the church. But Jesus calls us to live a counter-cultural life and not to just go along with the culture. He said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must consider what's in it for them. Anybody awake? Is that what he said? Is that what he said? No. He said, who? <laughs> okay. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We deny ourselves, we take up his cross, and we follow him. Now, so far in this series, we've talked about setting aside our fears and our hesitations and, and stepping out and being bold in sharing our faith. 
you know, not letting ourselves be intimidated by those who try to tell us to keep quiet about it and keep it to ourselves. You know, that, that comes from a, 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 a greater concern for others than, than a concern for ourselves. You know, uh, to, to share the gospel sometimes is uh, it's something we want to do. We want to be bold in doing. But l- let, me, let me tell you, for some of us, it's not always an easy thing because it's a risk. Of it's a risk of rejection, it's a risk of ridicule, it's a risk we don't know how that person's going to respond. But we set that aside because we're thinking of others and they need Jesus. Just like someone risked sharing it with me and sharing it with you, you know, we set that a, a, aside, our hesitations, and we are bold in sharing our faith. Then we talked about ways we can give of ourselves by faithfully serving others, putting others first, serving others. And then we, uh, uh, last week, we talked about uh, extravagant generosity. If you remember, we talked about three mindsets that, that people have about generosity and uh, really about finances in general. We talked about the bag mindset. The bag mindset is that there's never enough, no matter what. There's just never enough money. Sometimes that's because we're, we're putting our resources in a bag with holes in it. Okay, and we talked about what that meant and and. And and that so sometimes, you know, that's the bag mindset. There's there's never enough. Then there's the second mindset is the basket mindset. The basket mindset says that there's somehow there's always enough. Doesn't always make sense. Doesn't always can't always figure out how. But somehow, you know, it always works out. There's always enough. Don't understand how, but there's enough. Third mindset then is called the barn mindset. And that is that there's way more than enough. There's way more than enough. God's not restricted. God's not limited. You know, and he, he's not limited to, to what we have. He's not limited to uh, how we can see him working. There's way more than enough when we trust him. And, you know, whichever one of these mindsets we have, whichever one is ours, it greatly affects our approach to and how we handle our finances and what we look for in life and what we are able to accomplish. Because when you set out to accomplish something, what's the first thing you do? You look at what do I have to do this with? You know, what do I have? You're, you're, you're uh, 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 building a house. What do I have to build this house? What are my resources? What do I have determines, you know, what, what I can approach. And if there's never enough, you're not going to do anything. If there's always enough, you're going to build it. But if there's more than enough, if you just like, you know, I I may not even see it now, but I know God's got more than enough and this is what he's saying. So this is what I'm going to do. That's where real blessing comes in. So anyway, the the, the three mindsets um, and and really the key that we said, if if you don't remember anything else, remember this about what we said last week. The key to understanding the practice of generosity and being generous and giving it. It really has very little to do with what a person has. It has very little to do with what's in here. It has everything to do with what's in here. It has very little to do with what we have. It has everything to do with the attitude of our heart. Some of the most generous people I know have, uh, or I, I've met have been people with little or nothing as far as monetary goods. And I shared a story about that last week about someone who 
brought over to our house. Someone who had absolutely nothing came into something, some, some produce, and, and brought it over to our house one time. This would be years ago. Just wanted to share it, wanted to share their blessings. And they were very sincere. They were very giving. They were very open-handed, very open-hearted. They had nothing themselves. But they came over and wanted to share that with us. And um, I was uh, coming home. <laughs> yeah. I came home from work, and I walk in the kitchen, and there at the table was... Lisa, another lady, the lady that brought the things, and Kathy. Kathy came, and, and you know, where they're sitting there, and we're all talking, and I'm sitting there, oh, grapes. I'm sitting there popping grapes in my mouth. You know, man, these are good, you know, eating that. And um, we talked for a while, then the other lady and Kathy, they had come together, they left, and Lisa and I are sitting there and found out that the blessing that she shared, I mean, as you said, she had nothing. So she went dumpster diving for food and brought dumpster food from behind a grocery store, brought that produce and brought it to our table. And I was sitting there eating grapes from a dumpster. Um, anyway, <laughs> I don't know how I got on that again, but when I think of that, it's, it's like, yeah, can't remember what we did with the rest of it. But uh <laughs> Some of the, yeah, some of the most generous people are those with little or nothing, but their hearts were huge. So being generous has to do with an attitude of a heart so much more than just what it has to do with the size of your bank account or what's in your wallet. Today I want to look at something the Apostle Paul wrote that really encompasses every aspect of our lives. He wrote to the uh, church at Corinth and he said in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I want us to really think about this verse today. It literally has the power to change your life. Whatever you do, you're sitting at work doing a routine task. You're at home doing laundry. You're at the kitchen sink washing dishes. You're out in the yard mowing the lawn. You're out just running errands that you don't want to do. You're trying to finish a project at work that you've got a deadline for. Whatever you do, he says, do it for the glory of God. Making that little change, change of mindset, change of motivation, change of attitude, has the ability to make all the difference in the world. Think about it. When you're doing something that you don't really want to be doing and you make a mental shift in your thinking and all of a sudden you're doing it, Lord, this is for you. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for your glory. I'm, I, it, it's all for you. It changes your total approach to what you're doing. How we approach a task or a job or really anything we do changes the whole picture. Now, let me ask a few questions. Here's a few questions for you. Just think about this. What if the work is the reward? What if the work is the reward? What if the prize is in the process? <coughs> what if you can be grateful in the daily grind? Not talking about the coffee shop, but you know what I mean. 
What if you meet great family and be able to go? What if the work is a reward? What if whatever you do, you can find meaning, you can find fulfillment, you can find satisfaction when you do it all for the glory of God? How would that change your life? What if you discover the prize is not in the finished task, but rather is in the process of doing? What if it's as you're in the process of doing or becoming, you discover that that's when you discover the real prize? Let me give an example of that. Most of you know, I've, I've, I, I, I've shared this before, that for years I really struggled with having a devotional time, a consistent, regular devotion. I, I knew it was something I should do. I knew it was beneficial to me. It was good for me. I was supposed to be doing it. I should be. All, all of those things. I knew all of that, but I always struggled with finding the time on a consistent basis. I'd do fine for a little while. Something had happened, and I'd, you know, struggle with it. You know, I, it was hard finding that time on a regular basis where I wasn't tired, where I wasn't, you know, worn out, where I wasn't whatever else, too busy. I always felt it was a have to rather than a get to. You know, those those things that you have to do, and then there's those things that you get to do. And that's a mind, that's a, a, a life-changing mind shift right there when you go from have to to get to. At some point several years ago, I mustered up somehow the, the uh, um, self-discipline to make the time, to sit down at the same time every morning, no matter what. No matter how late I stayed up the night before, no matter uh, uh, whether it was my day off, whether I was on vacation, whether it was a holiday, whatever it was, I mustered up the self-discipline to just barrel on through it. My goal was to establish a regular, consistent, quiet time with the Lord. But something happened in the process. Something happened in the, in the, in the discipline. Something happened as I, as I went through the process. I accomplished my goal, yes. And now I have a consistent, regular, quiet time every day, same time. But in the process of carrying out the discipline, I discovered the prize. The prize was not establishing a consistent, regular, quiet time. That was the vehicle. The prize was the depth to which my relationship with the Lord grew and the joy that I discovered in his presence every day. The prize is the fact that it's no longer a have to or even a should. The prize is now that it's something that I get to do every day. I look forward to it every day. It's become the favorite part of my day. It was in the process that I discovered the prize. That which I had heard other people that I look up to, other pastors, other, other you know, believers that I look up to that had that, that had that such a, a close, and I said, man, I want that. I want that so bad, and I want that, and, and I looked up to, the, to them. That is mine now. That is mine. I discovered the prize, and I discovered it in the process. Let's look at something the Apostle Paul wrote now. 
says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not e even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Okay, I get that, okay? Think about it. Paul persecuted the church. He hated Christians. He put them in prison. He had them killed. He was not a good guy. He was very religious, yes, but he was not a good guy. And then he says in the next verse, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was, in, that, that was with me. These two verses have always just really, I've looked at them and it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Okay, understand the part about being least of the apostles because you persecuted the church. Then you are, the you are what you are but by the grace of God, but yet you worked harder. for. A, and I, I, I never got that until recently. Here's what we need to understand. Paul was talking about his apostleship. He's not bragging. He's not saying, ha, I'm an apostle now. He's not doing that at all. He's just stating the facts. He was an apostle. He had to defend his apostleship at times, some of the churches. But yeah, he, he, he was an apostle. And it was because of God's grace, only because of God's grace that he went from persecutor to being an apostle. He didn't deserve it. It was just because the grace which God extended to him. Like the song we, 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 we sang earlier, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. It was just because of the grace of God that, uh, uh, that he, became, he went from persecutor to apostle. God extended grace and that grace had its desired effect. It was effectual. His, it, his God's grace transformed his life. But here's the key that we need to understand. God initiated the grace. God extended the grace. And God's grace is what effected the transformation. But it required a response from Paul. God pours out his grace in our lives all the time. And it works to change us. It works to transform us. It works to grow us. But it doesn't automatically do those things. We don't automatically grow. We don't automatically have our lives transformed. We don't automatically change. We have to respond to it. We have to cooperate with it. We don't earn it, but we cooperate with his grace. That's how Paul can say, it's only by the grace of God that I'm an apostle like the other apostles. Because I was so bad, it's only by the grace of God that I am what I am an apostle, but I worked harder than the rest of them. And then he says, but it was really God's grace in me that was doing the work. Whatever good that God does in our lives, he's the one that does it. Anything good in my life, believe me, is because of him. But it's up to us to say yes to his grace working in our lives. It's as we respond, as we do our part, then he breathes life into our effort and our lives change. You see, God's grace is always there for us, waiting for us to 
allow it to work in our lives. We can resist it, we can miss it, or we can cooperate with it. His grace is what allows us to take whatever boring, unpleasant, or mundane job or task we're doing and offer it up to the Lord, replacing complaints and gripes with gratitude. When we do that, we will see God's grace having an effect in our lives. Let me ask, are you in the middle of a situation at work that's making your job difficult? Is there something going on in your home that is just really difficult and and something that maybe, some, or, or, or any area, something you have to do that just, you, you don't like it, it's difficult, you don't want to do it. You can gripe, you can grumble, you can complain, or you can give whatever it is your best effort and do it for the Lord, do it for God's glory. Maybe you have a job to do at home that you just hate, all right? For me, that would be any kind of yard work in the middle of an Indiana summer when the humidity is 100% or anywhere even close to that. Let me tell you something. I do not do humidity well. I melt. I do. I melt in humidity. It's just I, I, I don't like yard work. I don't like any of that. And when I have to go out there and mow the lawn for the second time in the week because the humidity made it grow like a jungle, you know, grow like a, you know, when we, we, we years ago in our marriage, we had this terrarium that we kept in the house with all kind of plants on it. And you never had to water the thing because it was, you know, it was like closed up and the sun would beat in on it. The moisture that was in there would just cause it to rain itself. And that thing grew like crazy, grew like weeds, like my yard, you know. And, and I hate doing that. But when I can train my mind to think, God, I'm doing this for your glory. I'm doing this for you. I'm not doing it for me. I'm not doing it so my house looks nice or the yard. I'm doing it for you. It changes the whole thing. It just, it, 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 it changes the whole thing. What is it for you? You know, it could be yard work. Some of you love that. We can pray for you later. It could be cleaning out your gutters. It could be mopping the floor. You can grumble, you can gripe, or you can ta tap into God's grace and do it for the glory of God. Whenever we offer everything we do up to the Lord as an offering, when we do everything as to the Lord for His glory, that's when we see His grace work in our lives. It's the attitude of the heart, just like everything else about our relationship with God. It's the attitude of the heart. That's what we see with Paul when he says, whatever, wh whatever I am, I am because of God's grace working in my life. And then he says, I work harder than any of the apostles. God offers grace, and then we need to respond to it. By responding to the grace in our lives, that's how we can truly learn to be grateful in the daily grind of life, the day in and the day out the boring stuff, the mundane stuff, the unpleasant stuff.
just doing normal things, and it's in the process of doing the routine. It's in the process of going through the daily grind and offering up to the Lord that we find the prize, the true reward. There's three things, three things that will sidetrack us from finding the true, true reward in, in the daily grind. The first you could call the pillow. A pillow, not necessarily a literal pillow, but it very well could be. The pillow represents the seduction of comfort. And it's a pillow because a pillow is so comfortable, especially when you set your alarm for, for 6 o'clock or whatever it is, and you, you, you got to get up, and you set it that early because you want to have a daily quiet time, not because you have to get to work that early, but you want to have a daily quiet time. And that alarm goes off, and then all of a sudden, the pillow that you wrestled with all night, you know, trying to get it just right, when that alarm goes off, it is just right. And you don't want to get up. Is that right? It is just right, and you don't want to get up. That, you know, it, it's that one thing that you think you need, you know, if, if I only had this, I could finally be happy. If I had just this one thing, I could take it easy. That one thing you look to for, for the, as, you know, it, it's the seduction of comfort. It could be new windows in the house. Man, I could just relax if I had new windows in the house. It could be a nicer car. It could be a new washer and dryer so you don't have to go to the laundromat. It just, if I just had this one thing, my life would be comfortable. God never called us to have an easy life. Second thing, the shiny thing. The shiny thing is the allure of constant distractions. Distractions that keep you from, from what's really important in life. You know, we get too busy in life, running here, running there constantly. You know, it's like we're constantly chasing after that carrot that's held out in front of us with a, you know, on a string. We're constantly going for it, and we can't get it because there's so many other distractions. We miss what's really important. A lot of times it comes through our phones. may sound heretical to some, but... You know, it's okay to put your phones in another room and walk away. Well, let's get really radical. It's okay to turn it off. It's okay to turn, of course, I know I'm, I, I'm, I'm not talking to anybody here because <laughs> most of us in this room don't own a phone. Our phone owns us. Third thing, third thing that, 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 that keeps us, this is, prevents us, it's the towel. The towel represents the perpetual temptation to quit. When things don't go the way they we want, we quit. I tried God. I went to church twice and nothing happened. I tithed and I prayed for two weeks and I still can't pay my bills. School's too hard, so I'm going to quit. Didn't like the one test I had so far. Or I put in 50 applications this week. Still can't find a job. I'm just giving up. Listen, you can throw in the towel or you can pick up the towel, wipe the sweat off your brow, get back in the daily grind of doing whatever you're doing and doing it in the moment, whatever you're doing in this moment and doing it for the glory of God and not giving up. And then suddenly you realize in what you're doing, in the work, is the reward. 
and the prize is in the process. And I can be grateful every single day in the grind. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has, Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He said, that's all that matters in everything I do in life. That's what it boils down to. Anything else doesn't matter. I am going to finish the race. I am going to complete the task. Be faithful in the daily grind. That's a life that's lived for the glory of God. That's a selfless life. When we can say nothing else matters to me but to do what God put me to do here to do and it's all for him. The challenge for us today is to hand in our resignation to living for self and to sign up to living our lives for one purpose, to live for the glory of God in everything we do, whether the mundane the boring and unpleasant things or the exciting, noble, the things that we love. Either one, it's the same. So let's respond to the grace God is offering and do everything as unto the Lord for his glory. Let's have the worship team come up. And let's everyone else, let's just stand. <coughs> I want to challenge us today. I'm challenging myself because I don't have this tackled. I'm working on it. Let's turn in that resignation to living for self. And let's sign up for living our lives for one purpose, and that is for God's glory. That's what happens when we become when we begin to do the things that God put us here to do and do them with the right heart and, and, and put him first, he gets glory out of that. If you're ready to accept that challenge, then I invite you to just pray with me right now. Just follow me. Lord, I'm done with living for myself. I repent of self-centered living. From now on, it's all for you. Whatever I do, I'm going to do for your glory. And as you give me your grace, I will respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.